When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Uh, incredible day in the NBA today, especially from an Australian point of view. Had some phenomenal performances from our Aussies, some not so phenomenal. But just at this early part of the season, I wanted to get a gauge from a man who knows the competition as well as anybody on where he thinks the season's at at the moment. Get a view on some of our Aussies and how they're performing and even uh, some of the stars that are still yet to come through the ranks. And there's no better to speak, no better person to speak to about any of that uh, than Sam Vecini, a senior writer at The Athletic uh, on NBA, NBA Draft. He hosts the Game Theory podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Vecini, V-E-C-E-N-I-E. And the good news for me is that he's actually based in Australia. So the time zones don't clash. Uh, he's been good enough to give us some time again. Sam, hello again, mate. I was based in Mel, or I am based in Melbourne. Really worked out last night because I got to head down to the T20 uh, World Cup, which was great. My first ever cricket match in person. It was fantastic. Hang on a minute. So I was actually there last night. If I had a known, we could have caught up. Oh, um, that would have made. I don't know whether that might, would have made your night better or worse. But um, <laughs> so you're so you're telling me that the first ever live game of cricket that you've gone to is the yeah. World Cup final. That's right. Yeah, no, it was funny. My wife and I got tickets to the Australia-England game that got rained out. We were planning on doing that as my first game. But when that got canceled, we decided to do the just World Cup final. And to be honest, we were really hoping for Pakistan and India, uh, especially once the semifinals occurred. I mean, the atmosphere there in that game, it just looks absolutely incredible uh, during the opening rounds. But uh, I mean, even England, Pakistan, the Pakistani fans were unbelievable last night. They were so amazing to just like kind of sit in their section and be a part of it. It was incredible. Uh, Sam, here's a question because I've been speaking about this for the last couple of weeks. Give me, tell me who the closest either fan base for a team or a sporting fan base is to what the Indian, Pakistan, uh, Sri Lanka, I think Zimbabwean, <laughs> who are just... They adore. So it is just love. Like, no matter what the team does, yeah. no matter what the players do, they just worship them. They they love them. Um, they are so positive around everything they do. You would have seen in the India-Pakistan game, Virat Kohli, the, the best player for India, he would field a ground ball and, and, and nothing had actually happened. But he'd get this almighty cheer and roar from the crowd. Is there a, a fan base or a sport that has similar kinds of uh, fan uh, worship? I, I honestly don't think so. Like you saw it last night when Shaheen Shah Freedy came back onto the field, uh, just a field even yeah. uh, after going down the tunnel. I mean, the the way that the Pakistani fans erupted was just incredible. It was something to behold. Right. Uh, and then obviously he gets hurt and you just, you know, can't, he, he bowls one ball and he just has to come off because it feels like he's actually seriously injured. And the fact that he even, 
tried to bowl again after that injury taking the wicket was just it was remarkable in so many ways but uh you just felt that sadness come over the crowd and it just completely yeah. changed the game in such a drastic way um it was disappointing but yeah i mean i, I can't really think of anything like it, it the, the sheer love it's such a positivity it, it's all Isn't based it? in such positivity Do, have you because uh, um this is incredible <laughs> We're speaking to, by the way, NBA and NBA draft expert Sam Pacini, who's now our number one cricket correspondent as well. Yeah. Um, it, I was lamenting it last week because I feel like there, it may be from an Australian sporting point of view, it's not everybody, and there were people that got a little bit offended, but there is a bit of cynicism that has sort of crept in, and there's some negativity towards our team that creep in. Is it the same in the US that... that Yes, you barrack for that team, but do you, do you, you know if you were looking at it on the scales... How much time do you spend negging your side um, and how much time do you spend building up your side and just being in the moment of loving your side? Do you Is that a pretty common thing in the US as well? It's definitely a common thing. I mean, Sam, we were talking before this, like you're a New York Jets fan. I mean, New York Jets <laughs> fans are built to feel terrible about themselves. <laughs> like that's the entirety of their existence at this point yeah. because of... of from the Mark Sanchez era to, you know, yeah. years upon years back and everything that's happened in between, right? It, it, it just kind of is what it is. It's funny, you know, and we can transition to basketball this way. I will say that, like, one purely positive fan base that I think exists right now is the Oklahoma City Thunder fan base. That This team is just, like, so engaged positively with the way that Sam Presti and the goodwill that he's built through his – uh through his tenure in Oklahoma city as the mm. president of basketball operations, knowing that he is as intelligent and as smart as he is when it comes to rebuilding a team, uh, he has built that trust level. And I think that when you watch thunder games, when you interact with thunder fans, it's purely positive. Like there's no, there's no real, there's concern, obviously, like, you know, is Josh Giddy going to turn out to be an all-star is Alexei Pokashevsky going to, be anything mm. is you know Shea Gilgis Alexander gonna leave like they're everyone has those concerns but I think that Thunder fans are feeling very positive despite the fact that you know by the end of the year they're probably gonna end up winning like you know 25 to 30 games well it's a great segue by the way um but just before we speak about Josh Giddy and his incredible performance and history-making performance today Speaking to his father Warwick, and 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 even when you hear Josh speak, and any of the Oklahoma City Thunder guys, what I think is really smart is that the ownership and management have have been really clear with what the plan is to these guys. They've sold them the vision, and they have all bought in to this point. They have all bought in to what they're trying to do. This is a franchise that's gone down the road of having, you know, the the A listers, you know, and it didn't quite. I mean, at one point, as we know, they had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. Uh, on the same yep. on the same floor at the same time, and they still couldn't get a title. So they've gone down the let's just get the big name and uh, and and let's just have these A-listers. There they're trying to build it from the ground up, and it seems like everybody buys in. Um, Josh Giddy today, no one's done what he did, having two triple doubles in his first two games at the Garden. No one's done it in, uh, for about 50 years. Wilt Chamberlain, just a, I don't know if you've heard of him, Sam. Um, Wilt Chamberlain. Decent player. Yeah, he went okay from what I hear. <laughs> He's the last guy to ever do that. Extraordinary. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Josh is, uh, he does feel like one of those guys that rises to the moment, right? Like, like I remember, look, I wasn't over here by this point, I don't think, but um, I remember watching the tape of him for his Victorian team, like hitting a game winner, I, I think like in the state competition or something like that. And you were just like, oh God, this guy just has it. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever quote unquote it is, like he's got it. He always just rises to that occasion and it feels like Madison Square Garden is in it's an event that every young player looks forward to and Josh in his first couple of games at Madison Square Garden it, it he's just figured it out on some real substantial stage and I don't know man like I have my concerns about Josh's skill level in terms of like his shooting, right? And whether or not that will allow him to be like a superstar. Because to be like a superstar in the NBA, you have to be able to create your own shot and to make your own shot, period. But everything else that that dude does on the court, like I am a believer. Like that guy just makes his teammates better through yeah. his sheer presence on the court. And I, I think that today was yet another example of that in New York. Joel Embiid um, didn't want to be outdone. Uh, in fact, there was two 50-point games today. We probably don't have enough time to go through all of them, although the Cleveland Cavaliers are having a great year. But Joel Embiid, speaking of Wilt Chamberlain, that's the other. So so Josh Giddey's getting the stat line uh, since Wilt Chamberlain. Joel Embiid's getting the comparison to Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, had over 50 points today. Not a triple-double. I think he had seven blocks and um, 11 rebounds, bulk assists. He's having a, an MVP caliber year. Again, well, it's interesting. Like, I feel like he's he's turned the corner early in the season. It felt like he was kind of working himself into shape, right? He was a, a little bit slow. It felt like he was dealing with a foot injury, I guess, is what uh, the 76ers have since said. But, you know, over the course of the last two games, I mean, God, I think he had 40 points uh, in the Sixers previous game. And then what he did today was unbelievable that fourth quarter it five blocks in the fourth quarter i think he had eight assists in the game he obviously had 59 points it, he it, that 76ers team is i don't want to say it's a mess but like it's a bit fraught it feels like doc rivers is perpetually on the hot seat at the moment yep. with the fans yet another fan base that uh <laughs> is constantly tragic uh to think of uh you know what we started this conversation speaking about yeah but I mean, it feels like they weren't getting the best out of the team for a while. And it still feels like Doc Rivers doesn't always get the best out of that team. But Joel Embiid's just going to put them on his back. That's all that matters. And then you have Tyrese Maxey, who is making a star turn this year, just with his athleticism and his energy and his ability to create transition opportunities. And then James Harden, you know, the burden is off James Harden. And he can just do what he does best, run ball screens, make plays for others, get to the foul line, make threes. Uh, you know, they're going to need to figure out some things defensively at some point, because uh, up until the last couple of games, it's been a bit of an adventure out there with how Joel's footwork and his mobility has been compromised with the foot injury. But as long as they can figure out an answer defensively, I think this team's going to be right there at the end. And Joel Embiid is likely going to be right there in the MVP race at the end. Uh, and just in the standings at the moment, they sit six, but you feel like they're starting to get it together. The Bucks, the Celtics, the Hawks, the Cavs, the Wizards have, have had a, a good year, but it's a bit wizardy, isn't it? They tend to start well and then fade away. Uh, so that's a top six in the East. And then uh, the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, the Suns, the Jazz, the Grizzlies, and the Mavericks, top six in the West. Um, just combining the two sides of, of the draw, San Vicini, 
Who have been the best? Who've been the best watch this year for you? Like whose basketball has been competition Ooh. best basketball that you've enjoyed most? They might not be, uh, you know, at the top of the table yet, but it's just that's the bet. You like uh, that's it there. That's it. Look, I've probably enjoyed watching the Cavs the most this year, but I think the most impressive team's probably been Boston. Uh, just Jason Tatum, I think, would be in the top three of any MVP vote right now, along with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic. His shot creation, his defensive ability, uh, his the game is slowing down for him in the mid-range mm. in such a substantial way now where he has like a little floater, which is something that he never really had before. It used to always be like a stop and pop kind of game for him. Yeah, no, I mean, the way that Tatum has made the turn, the way that Jalen Brown has looked this year, their defense is going to be there at the end for sure. In uh, the transition from Ime Yudoka to Joe Mazzulla, his head coach has gone perfectly. Uh, they're taking a ton of threes. I think they have really good structures and processes on offense that uh, make them look even better and more dangerous than what they did a year ago. So I would probably take Boston in terms of like, the team that has looked best, but you know, Milwaukee has been without Chris Middleton and they're going to get a huge boost when he gets back. And Cleveland is going to keep getting better and better as Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and Jared Allen and uh, Evan Mobley get more time and experience playing together after that addition of Mitchell in the off season. Uh, yeah. I think the East is just an absolute buzzsaw this year. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where that side of it kind of settles at the end of the day. And for the biggest disappointments of the year, I'll give you some nominations. And 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 and, if, and you can go outside the nominations, by the way, uh, if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, we are speaking to Sam Bassini, who's the the senior writer at the Athletic NBA NBA Draft, hosts the Game Theory podcast as well. Um, so here's the nominations: the Brooklyn Nets in the East, um, and the Miami Heat, who sit tenth in the East at the moment. And then the biggest disappointments um, in the West. I'll throw up, obviously, the LA Lakers. But the Golden State Warriors, the reigning champions, are 5-8 and eight as well. So there's your four nominees. Give me one from each conference. So I think that you can't really go past the Nets, given how big of a mess they've been, uh, just like on and off the court, uh, between Kyrie and then firing Steve Nash and just uh, all of the many things that seem to be occurring in Brooklyn on a day-to-day basis. It, it's remarkable, right? Um, it is. And, and um, I love Steve Nash. Uh, it, 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 it angered me to see the way that he had been treated because I, I look, you might be able to tell better than I, and, and you clearly would, but what, what had, I mean, are we, surely we're not blaming the hot messages, the nets on Steve Nash. When you've got two Look, players like, who think that they're GMs in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like what he's up against it from day one. I, I just think that we have no idea uh, if he's a good coach or not sure. after that, yeah. right? Like he might be a really good coach and he just ran into a disaster situation or he might not be able to coach and he couldn't, you know, figure out a way to get uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving uh, together and couldn't figure out a way to structure a remotely competent defensive uh, game plan because they are absolutely abhorrent defensively. Yeah. Uh, it is an embarrassment to watch them try and defend. And, and that was they, they've the, been better under Jacques Vaughn though. That, so that, that, that's that, a real testament to Jacques, I think. And Sam, that was one of the reasons they wanted Ben Simmons. But you know, one thing I do agree with Corey Irving on is he hasn't played for two years. So I, I'm conscious of that. 
but what? how do you solve a problem like Ben Simmons at the moment? He still doesn't want to shoot. Um, he is providing and distributing. Has he done the work on the defensive end that you would have liked to see? He still looks a little lethargic um, out there. Didn't play against the Lakers in, in the loss today, um, but wasn't great in the comeback in the game previous. What are you making of the whole Ben Simmons situation? He doesn't look great. Like, let's just be real about it, right? Yeah. Like, he does not look great right now at all. Uh, he Again, he has taken a long time off. And it always takes guys a bit of time to get back into game shape and to remember what all of those motions are like. What happens when, especially when you're a defender, when someone, especially defending primary uh, scorers like Ben Simmons does, like, how do you defend those guys? It, it takes real time to bring that back, that muscle memory almost. Uh, ben has always been an incredible processor of basketball, right? His passing, just his feel for the game has always been super, super high level. And there's something just slightly off there right now. I, I think he'll get it back. It's just, is it is it enough at this point to justify his you know, $36 million a year or whatever. It's not. And is it enough to swing the Brooklyn Nets season from what has been abject disaster to the playoffs? I think it's probably not uh, given what we've seen so far. Uh, Sam, where, where do you see, how do you see the Kyrie situation finishing or playing out? Um, LeBron James is now calling for him to be able to come back and play again. The Nets are saying, no, there's still things he needs to do um, on the list of things we've given him to do to get back that he hasn't done. So they're not going to budge. How do you see it playing out? You could go find a random person over in the SEN office uh, who has no idea who Kyrie Irving is and ask them about this situation and they would be able to give you just as good of a guess as me. Yep. Right. Like that, that's, it feels like every single option is on the table with Kyrie. Right. Uh, and it always is with Kyrie Irving. That's who he is as a individual. And it's unfortunate, obviously, uh, you know, what he did, you know, people can say he's not anti-Semitic, but unfortunately he hurt a lot of people. Yeah. He did uh, what he did sharing that uh Amazon link to a video that is anti-Semitic. So, mm. yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an incredible disappointment for a guy that's just an unbelievable talent. Yeah, uh, he, he is unequivocally a Hall of Fame caliber player. It's just that um, at some point he needs to figure out that it's not just talent; it's leadership, it's taking accountability, which is something specifically that uh, it took him an awful long time to do. Uh, within this entire situation with him sharing this video. So uh, I I have no idea when we'll see him back. I would imagine we'll probably see him back at some point. But, uh, you know, will it be for the Nets? Will it be for someone else? Who knows? Right. Uh, Sam, we, we're, we're probably running short of time. Love catching up with you. Um, but I want to ask you because it's, a, you, it's always an educational experience too when it comes to you because you are the greatest identifier and, and, and the most knowledgeable person to speak to when it comes to up-and-coming talent. Who are the stars that are coming through the various systems all around the world? When we speak to you next time, we'll, we'll speak more about the Aussie performances this year from our Australian players yeah. who are in the NBA. But for those who do not know the name... Tyrese Proctor. Um, tell tell us why we need to know who this young man is and what we think he could be. 
Yeah, so Tyrese is a kid that, you know, came up in the Australian developmental system and decided to go the collegiate route. And he is attending Duke now. He is Duke's starting point guard, essentially. I hear uh, that's a decent school. <laughs> yeah, pretty good, right? Pretty good school. Uh, you know, Tyrese is a guy that I kind of thought would be a two-year player at Duke coming into the year, but I, I started to hear from scouts that a Duke staff is really, really excited about him and think he looks absolutely terrific and B scouts that had been down there thought he looked really, really terrific. Uh, early on, it's been a bit of a slog for him in mm. terms of scoring and shooting the basketball, but the things that he's best at are actually kind of similar to Dyson Daniels. He is a really high level distributor out of ball screens and he is a really good defender. Now, the difference between him and Dyson is that he's like six foot four and a half, six foot five, and Dyson is six foot seven and a half, six foot eight. And that's going to be a real substantial differentiator in terms of uh, their long term upside. But Tyrese is a really good playmaker. He has great positional size for the point guard position. He's a really good defender and he's a developing shooter. And I would anticipate that, you know, he is a big part of whatever Duke becomes this year. They're dealing with some injuries right now to a couple of other really high-level freshmen and Dariq Whitehead and Derek Lively. But, you know, this has given Tyrese every opportunity to, you know, be able to establish himself in that starting lineup. And uh, I think there's a real chance that he ends up being Australia's next first-round pick in the NBA draft here coming up in 2023. You were having a pretty good run of the old first-round picks, especially top tens uh, at the moment. That right. would be three in a row by my count with Josh Giddy, Dyson Daniels, and now we'll keep an eye on Therese Proctor. Sam Vecini, you're so generous with your time, mate. Love catching up with you. Thank you so much. We'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.